0: Every Monday to Friday, this is Peter Lewis's Money Talk.
1: Money Talk!
0: Good morning and welcome to the end of the week. This is Peter Lewis with Money Talk on Friday the 14th of April. This podcast is sponsored by Surfing Group, which is headquartered in Singapore and offers online financial services to 30 million customers across 10 countries. In today's business and finance headlines, China logged a better-than-expected trade surplus in March. Exports from China unexpectedly surged 14.8% from a year earlier to an eight-month high, rebounding sharply from a 6.8% drop in the January to February period. This was the first increase in exports since last October and the strongest pace in eight months. Brazil's President Lula da Silva has called on developing countries to work towards replacing the US dollar with their own currencies in international trade. Mr Lula, who is on a state visit to China... Yesterday lent his voice to Beijing's efforts to boost the Renminbi's role in global commerce, ahead of a meeting with President Xi Jinping later today in Beijing. Industrial production in the eurozone rose by 1.5% from a month earlier in February. That's the second consecutive month of increases and above-market expectations of 1% growth. It was the fastest increase in factory outputs for six months, in the latest sign that Europe's economy made a more resilient start to the year than expected The data helped the euro rise to a one-year high, as investors bet that the European Central Bank will raise interest rates again next month. And producer prices in the US fell half a percent month-on-month in March, in the latest sign that inflation is easing in the US. It's the biggest decline since April 2020, and it takes the annual increase to 2.7%, compared with a 4.9% rise in February. That's the lowest annual gain since January 2021 and reduces pressure on the Federal Reserve to continue raising interest rates. Investors are expecting one more 25 basis point hike in interest rates next month before the Fed pauses for the rest of the year. On today's Money Talk, to discuss some of those business and finance headlines are Francis Lund, the CEO of GEO Securities, and Kenny Wen, Head of Investment Strategy at KGI Asia. With a view from Australia is Toby Lawson, Director at Staten Advice. And if you want to get in touch, please do go to my website, peterlewismoneytalk.substack.com. On Wall Street, U.S. stocks jumped Thursday as the March producer price index, a measure of prices paid by companies and often a leading indicator of consumer inflation, declined half a percent month on month. And that follows data on Wednesday, which showed consumer prices grew 5% on an annual basis, the smallest increase in nearly two years. The easing inflation trend sent the S&P 500 up one and a third percent to 4,146, its highest close since February. The Dow added 383 points, or 1.1%, to 34,030. The tech sector, which is among the hardest hit during periods of rising inflation and interest rates, leapt Thursday, sending the Nasdaq Composite advancing 2% to 12,166. In Hong Kong, stocks erased raised losses from the morning session by the close, the Hang Seng rose 35 points, or 0.2%, to 20,344. On the mainland the Shanghai composite fell a third of a percent to 3,318. Shares of Alibaba were 2% lower after regulatory filings showed that Softbank has sold a majority of its stake in the company. An analysis of filings by the Financial Times revealed Softbank has sold nearly 7.2 billion US dollars worth of shares in the Chinese e-commerce giant via prepaid forward contracts. That left SoftBank effectively holding just a 3.8% stake in Alibaba, the Japanese investor once owned as much as 34% of Alibaba. Shares of JD Logistics and other SoftBank investments fell almost 1% Thursday. SoftBank holds almost 37 billion US dollars worth of stakes in 11 Chinese companies trading in Hong Kong and the US. And shares of embattled property developer Sunak China plunged over 55% after trading resumed on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange following a more than one year suspension. And futures markets this morning are pointing to a rise of 60% or a third of a percent for the Hang Seng at the Open. And you can get more details on the latest market movements on my daily blog. Just a reminder where you find that, it's Peter Lewis MoneyTalk.substack.com.
1: Every Monday to Friday, this is Peter Lewis's Money Talk.
0: Peter Lewis's is- and it's time to welcome our Friday morning guests. We have with us, of course, on a Friday, Francis Lern, the CEO of Geo Securities. Good morning, good Francis. Good morning. And also with us, Kenny Wen, who's head of investment strategy at KGI Asia. Morning to you, Kenny. Good morning. Now let's start with China exports. They logged a much better, um, or China logged a much better than expected trade surplus in March, um, aided largely by an unexpected rebound in exports and an improvement in overseas demand, while imports they also contracted less than expected. Exports from China unexpectedly surged 14.8% from a year earlier to an eight-month high, and they rebounded sharply from a 6.8% drop in January. Uh, Economists were expecting a 7% fall. This is the first increase in exports since last October. It's the strongest pace um, in eight months. A couple of interesting things within it, Um, exports to Southeast Asian nations, the Asian countries, which is China's largest trading partner, soared by 35.4% year on year while exports to the United States fell by 7.7%, <laughs> the eighth consecutive month of decline. So, Francis, yeah. what do you make of this data? A bit of a surprise, isn't it?
2: Well, actually, uh, it, it is all America's fault because, uh, <laughs> <laughs> because the U.S. imposes uh, 20% import duty on Chinese export. So yeah. uh, Chinese exports actually uh, went to Southeast Asian countries. And then we exported to the U.S., disguised as uh, Vietnam or Philippine exports. But actually, they were <laughs> actually Chinese exports. So, so, so don't let the figures fool you. Right. <laughs> China is still the, uh, fact, uh, the world's factory for consumer goods. Uh, no other country has the population size or the infrastructure to produce so many goods.
3: Kenny, are you surprised by this? A little bit surprised. I would say for the data itself is better than forecast. So, uh, including export and uh, export, so it showed that uh, maybe the global consumption and as well as China uh, are better than uh, at least more resilient than our. our uh, previously thoughts that's good but I won't be too optimistic for one month data especially uh, if we divided uh, GDP data or structure uh, the including the consumption investment and ex- uh, net export so for the net export is account, uh, only a relatively small portion so I think uh, consumption will be the key and next week China will announce a lot of uh, collected data I think uh, for the first uh, for the March data or the first quarter uh, still okay. But the real challenge will be the second quarter because for the past one month uh, in Hong Kong, we have the earnings uh, announcement uh, period. So we met a lot of uh, Chinese listed company. They told me that um, the worst is already gone. But for the past few weeks, they think that uh, the, uh, the GDP or the economic activity rebound may not as good as they think. So I think mm-hmm. after we uh, start to re- uh, revise upward our second quarter uh, 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 GDP outlook, then maybe we will be disappointed uh, in coming months. Especially one recent data uh, got my attention is the saving amount in the banking system. Originally, uh, last year, we see that the excess saving in banking system is keep going up. Uh, we understand that because during pandemic, uh, you don't know the future. So even though you have money, you will save it rather than spend it. It is uh, easy to understand. But originally, we, we expect that the number will keep dropping to boost the consumption this year. Mm-hmm. However, for the March data, the banking savings still going up. So Without sufficient confidence, and you still choose to uh, keep your money in banking system, uh, and not uh, spend it, then will hurt the consumption. So, whether the China government can hit the five percent GDP growth this year, I think uh, the banking system,
0: uh, the, the amount will be one of the key data we need to closely monitor. Okay, so we'll watch that closely what What does it tell us all this about the the global economy? Does it suggest that maybe um that the, the global economy's performance is splitting in in Western countries it <laughs> seems to be slowing, but in Southeast Asia maybe it's picking up or or is that um, or is it too early to say because trade data' is very volatile, isn't it? it It changes rapidly month to month.
2: Yeah, well, uh, China only opened up uh, late uh, last year in December, so China is really playing catch up. Uh, in so many areas and then of course like uh, uh, aviation transport and uh, and now consumption is finally picking up i think for figures for the first quarter aren't really, really that good uh, even in Hong kong we have some structural changes and then there's a shortage of labor uh like in aviation there uh, you can you're short of something like uh 20,000 uh, staff, something like that. <laughs> so, so these are the bottlenecks for the economy. So uh, uh, I think uh, if and when we can solve this uh, manpower bottleneck, I think uh, uh, China's economy will be soon growing uh, quite strongly in the second quarter.
3: Yeah, I think China will be okay, relatively speaking. But for global economy, I won't be too optimistic because don't forget that maybe uh, next month, the US will still uh, raise its interest rate. At least the interest rate is talking about 5%. So it still have some constraint on the GDP growth. Uh, especially, I think I won't... Be, uh, become too optimistic for one month data. I think we can refer to the IMF. It just, uh, we went downward down with the global GDP forecast. As mm-hmm. I can remember, it's 2.8% for this year and 3% for next year. And I think... Uh, Compared with the past 5 to 10 years, this number is not really so
0: good. So mm. don't be too optimistic. But the IMF was quite optimistic about China, wasn't it? It was talking about supercharged growth in, uh, in China. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well... You cannot always depend on supercharged growth from China now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> How much do you think all these trade restrictions, sanctions on exports or restrictions on exports to Chinese technology companies is having an impact? We, we saw the decline in exports to the U.S., the other mm-hmm. figure um, that stood out from, from the data that we've seen. Is China chip imports dropped 23% in the first three months of 2023? It seems mm-hmm. to be having an impact, does not it?
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, you, you don't have to look any further than Huawei. Uh, Huawei <laughs> used to be a dominant force in the uh, smartphone market. Now it's completely lost that market. Yeah, I think. it's been destroyed. <laughs> yes. this company. Basically, uh, <clears throat> sanctions destroyed Huawei. Mm. I, I think that's the unfortunate part. Uh, I think, uh, of course, Apple and Samsung will be uh, very happy <clears> about <throat> it. And, and, and that's quite sad, I think. Uh, I, I think the, uh, 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 the restrictions on exports of uh, semiconductor equipment will certainly hamper Chinese uh, development in this area. It will take a, a lot of time, a long time to catch up.
3: Regarding the the tariff or uh, uh, other policy, I think not only China get hurt, especially US citizens also get hurt because uh, for tariff, actually a lot of Chinese companies can transfer the cost to the uh, US consumer. Or On the other hand, as we all know, China is a global factory. So if you don't uh, uh, import the goods from China and from other countries, you will have uh, higher prices. So I think uh, for trade embargo, something like that is everyone will get hurt, not only China.
0: Mm. How much do you think the Chinese economy is relying on credit growth? Because we had those figures, didn't we, from the PBOC, which showed that new bank lending surged to a record high in the first quarter of this year. Total Mm -hmm. social financing was the highest for a March um, on record. Is is the economy really being boosted by all of this uh, sort of credit injections from the PBOC?
2: Yeah definitely. Yeah. Uh because uh, in the past 3 years all the money was spent on the covid uh, controlling covid uh, and and they uh, they spent almost half the gdp on, on something like that. And now it's really uh, uh, the economy, the credit is really going to the real economy, like uh, Mm. manufacturing and uh, consumption. I think think that is a good part about the economic data coming out. It shows that uh, China's economy is back to normal instead of just trying to fight the pandemic.
3: Yeah, I agree that in the modern economy, uh, credit growth is very important, but when you talk about credit growth, I want to highlight in U.S. because uh, we we had the banking crisis for the past few weeks, right? Uh, in this moment, I think the market sentiment stabilised, But don't forget that we see a lot of uh, saving uh, moving out from medium or small banks. So if their saving is dropping, their credit capacity will, be, will have, uh, also have having limitation. So it will hurt uh, the U.S. GDP growth. I think this is one of the key factors why the Federal Reserve and also the uh, uh, Lawrence Summers saying that uh, the, the public the of uh, going um, recession in U.S. is keep rising because the band lending is slowing, uh, the credit growth is slowing, it always will hurt the economy. So I think for credit growth, uh, the, uh, our key focus maybe should put on uh, U.S., not China. China is, is okay.
0: mm mm-hmm. Mm. And we've got the well, we're going to get the GDP report from China um, uh, next Tuesday. Yes. Presumably, there, there's room for an upside surprise here, isn't there? Because this trade <laughs> surplus that yeah. that helps boost GDP. Yeah. You've got all this credit uh, mm-hmm. growth going on. Do you see maybe that there there is the potential
2: for the, for this data to surprise us? Well, for the first quarter, uh, I'm not that optimistic because uh, of. For uh, January and February, the, fig- the the figures were not very uh, good. So uh, they catch caught up a little bit in in March, but still, the first quarter is not. Going to be a stellar quarter for growth. As I can remember, the market
3: forecast for the first quarter GDP growth in China around uh, three point eight to four point five, something like that. So mm. uh, I think it's, it's okay to hit the number. But as I mentioned before, the real challenge will be the second quarter because every, because of the base effect and uh, the China we uh, uh, opened the economy in last December. So. For, for After four or five months, uh, the people uh, that the, the revise their forecast uh, for second quarter, talking about 6 or
0: 7% GDP growth. Then this is a real challenge whether we can hit it in the second quarter. Mm. I, I suppose the number we should also look at closely uh, next week is fixed asset investment to see whether or not uh, the property <laughs> sector is recovering, whether yes. real estate companies, exactly. uh, real estate developers are taking out more loans, mm-hmm. um, and, and we're going to see maybe faster property investment. Investment. What, what do you think on that front?
2: Well, uh, uh, according to the latest data, uh, March property sales actually increased 98% over last year. And even on a month-to-month basis, I, I think the growth uh, was 723%. So, so it showed a really uh, market uptick uh, in, in, in March. I I I think the reason is that people are not uh, 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 expecting the property prices to fall again. If the pu- property fi- prices are falling, uh, if, uh, consumers will, will hesitate to buy because they don't want to uh, buy at a too high a price uh, in anticipation of price fall. So, if property prices are not falling, I think you you will bring back the consumers. There, there 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 is what they call the hot demand for, yes. for 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 property still in the major cities at least. I agree that for the March property
3: sales that do have the improvement, but one key point we need to, to notice is that if you're using a year-on-year basis, uh, we have a very, very low base effect in mm-hmm. last year because last year, March uh, in Hong Kong, in China, we have another wave of uh, pandemic. So mm-hmm. we have a very low base effect. So mm-hmm. we're using a uh, year-on-year, uh, of course we will have a very significant rebound
0: Okay, well, let me turn to a different topic now. Um, Brazil's President Lula da Silva has called on developing countries to work towards replacing the US dollar with their own currencies in international trade. Mr. Lula, who is on a state visit to China, yesterday lent his voice to Beijing's efforts to boost the renminbi's role in global commerce ahead of a meeting with President Xi Jinping later today in Beijing. And while visiting Shanghai yesterday, he urged the BRICS group of nations which is Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, to come up with their own alternative currency for use in trade. Speaking at the New Development Bank in Shanghai, he said, every night Mm -hmm. I ask myself, why all countries have to base their trade on the dollar? Why can't we do trade based on our own currencies? Who was it that decided that the dollar was the currency after the disappearance of the gold standard. So how do you answer his question? Why do countries have to base their trade on the US dollar? And do you think they can win their dependence <laughs> off of that?
2: Well, uh, right now you can, you, can, you can do your trade in euro or or the Japanese yen, <clears throat> but still uh, the, the obstacle is uh, uh, the RMB could be a, a trade settlement currency, but but the but the requ- requirement is that it must be freely traded. Mm. So uh, the and freely convertible. Yeah, uh, and uh, the Chinese government, uh, especially the central bank, must bring in uh, the needed uh, reform to uh, to make the RMB uh, convertible before the RMB can become a trade currency settlement currency. Of course, right now. Uh, the U.S. dollar is uh, is used in something like more than seventy five percent of the global trade, which is quite uh, 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 is a quite a big imbalance because the U.S. Uh, account for something like fifteen percent of the global economy and trade, okay. and 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 yet the currency is used for trade settlement, and 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 this allows the American government to run up. A billion dollar a year <laughs> budget deficit.
0: It helps finance the U.S., doesn't <laughs> it? Thank, thank goodness yeah. for the U.S. It is the reserve currency yeah, of the
2: that's, world. That, that's right. So, so, so uh, America is taking huge benefits from this. So, I, I think, I think the all the various countries understands it and really will try to weaken. Uh, America, the, uh, the U.S. dollars uh, uh, position in, world, in global trade.
3: Yeah, I agree, but it's very difficult to execute your idea because very simple uh, for Brazil. How can you get in love RMB to buy your products? On the mm. other hand, when you export your product to China and you get the RMB, whether you. Whether you can spend it, <laughs> because if you have USP, uh, US dollar, then you can buy the treasury or another investment product or use uh any anyway in in globally. But if you 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 holding a lot of RMB, mm. how can you use it? So mm. I think I agree that everyone wanna wanna weaken the U.S. dollar status and the impact of U.S. or U.S. dollar is uh, gradually uh, reducing. But I think the dominance position for U.S. dollar at least will, will remain the position in in, in a foreseeable future.
0: I suppose the problem is it's not governments that trade with each other. It's companies, isn't it? Yes. Across yeah. borders, uh-huh. And if you take, for example, a, a top Brazilian miner like Vale, it doesn't want any other currency other than US dollars <laughs> because <laughs> commodities are priced in US yeah. dollars. So it really needs US dollars, doesn't it? That, yeah, that's really that's, the problem.
2: Yeah, that's right. I think several decades ago, IMF had the idea using <coughs> special drawing rights to become yeah. the set of reserve currency. But, but the uh, move never got off ground and no, nobody's really uh, holding any SDRs. And
3: one more point is, I, I, I think that is, usually it's those emerging markets saying that they want to use their own currency. But for the emerging market currency, they're the 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 friend what what a
2: town. So
0: it is is yeah. nobody mix.
2: wants them exactly. real. Yes, yes, keep <laughs> on.
0: Quite. I, I suppose this call from President Lula, rather than being practical, it's more symbolic, isn't it? He wants yeah. to exactly. show support for China, for mm. President Xi Jinping's efforts to develop relations with emerging markets, expand the Belt and Road Initiative into Latin American economies. This is really what it's all about, isn't it? Yes, I agree. Okay. Um I want to ask you about the local um markets here. Um mm. cor- Hong Kong shares in the last few couple of weeks have been hit really by insider <laughs> selling, hasn't it? Because we've yeah. had uh corporate insiders cut their stakes in Alibaba, Tencent and carmaker BYD. Uh, the Hang Seng is down about 1% so far this week, pressured by reports that major investors are exiting from some of uh, some of China's biggest companies. Amsterdam listed Prosource is preparing to further cut its stake in Tencent, while Berkshire Hathaway sold another block of BYD shares on March the 31st. And Alibaba slipped in Hong Kong on a Financial Times report that SoftBank has almost completely exited its stake in the technology giant. Now, what's going on? Why are the big global investors <laughs> leaving these companies?
2: Well, well actually, uh, I, I think what these big investors are looking at is that they think the uh tech boom has peaked already, mm. so it's time to get out and uh of course uh, uh for the tech stocks uh, uh they're listed in China they are already <coughs> past that peak but uh, i i i think the boom years are already behind them, so they they don't see uh this uh, uh, gaining uh several times over the next few years so so I think it's time to exit. Uh, and uh, if you look at uh, Tencent or Alibaba, I don't think the share price will double in the next <laughs> <Yes>. year. <laughs> and one, one more very simple
3: reason is they need money. So especially for softbike. Softbike definitely, yes. doesn't it? Yeah, so they need money, so they will will trim down their equity holdings. So that's why they will uh, gradually to sell their, uh, their, their holding is because of they need money.
0: Is it a coincidence that these three big sales are all happening about the same time?
2: Yeah, I think think those those, uh, big tech investors, uh, uh, I I think they they believe that this tech era is, the golden era is ending. Mm. I think uh, you you, you look at share prices of uh, 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 American techs like uh, uh, Apple, uh, Amazon, Alphabet, uh, their prices were, well, better than Alibaba and Tencent, but they, 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 were, they have not been spectacular.
3: I think maybe because for, for, uh, uh in 2021 or 2022, as we still remember, China government tightened the regulation on tech company. So it may make the future development, uh, less
0: uh, clear. So hmm. they will trim down their holdings. It's not a good time, though, is it, to be selling these shares? I mean, haven't they missed the boat? I mean, Alibaba um, its close to the lowest level since it was listed back in November 2019. They could have sold much, much higher than
2: that. Yeah, but uh, Charles Munger said he make big, the biggest mistake he made was uh, buying Alibaba. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think
3: that it's very difficult to time the market, especially they are not holding only uh, 10,000 stocks or <laughs> a $1 million. Thousand mm. dollars. They are holding, Huge talking about 5, 5%, five 10%, 10%. So, uh, so they, it depends on the situation. And now they need money. Uh, they think that the future development is limited. So they just sell it.
0: It's also it's slightly odd in that the, the regulatory crackdown from Beijing, which has really weighed mm-hmm. on these tech companies, yeah. the yeah. signs are... Um, that it's coming to an end. So shouldn't investors really have some more confidence going forward in these companies, or are they worried that maybe there may be a n- more regulatory crackdowns <laughs>
2: coming? I, I think regulatory crackdowns may uh, may be ending soon. But 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 I think the the other worry is that they are, they have become mature companies their markets are not really they, they are not expanding into a green field where where the upside potential is unlimited mm-hmm. so uh when when every chinese has a, a, a taobao account what more can you do when you're yeah. restricting the uh, 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 online hours for uh, uh, for, for children in playing online games. So, so, so the market is really uh, not growing at all. I
3: agree, unless you can go global. Otherwise, you're focusing on China, even though for TikTok, and you're subject to other regulation issues in US as well. So uh, I, I do think that given the, uh, the market cap now, uh, the future growth will be obviously slowed down compared with five to 10 years ago.
0: So obviously, these sales of some of Hong Kong's biggest listed companies have rather weighed on the the market performance, haven't they, uh, mm-hmm. recently? What about going forward? And, and in particular, how do you think um, the, the perception that maybe the Fed is close now to, uh, to reaching a peak in interest rates in US inflation is mm-hmm. starting to show signs of tailing off? Could that give a boost to Hong Kong and Chinese stocks? Do you think? Uh, well,
2: it will give a boost to American stocks. Chinese stocks, uh, I, I don't think so because because still, uh, you you have such a big sale hangover uh, over uh, uh, Tencent and BYD and, and Alibaba. Alibaba. Yeah. Uh, so 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 these are the leading stocks. If if these stocks are not growing are not going up uh, 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 it's difficult for the, for the stock market to go up uh, in addition uh, chi- china is uh, carrying out uh, a purge of the leaders of the financial institutions like the major banks insurance companies so these stocks uh, which make up the second largest block I'm not go, uh, going up. So with the two biggest blocks uh, 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 f- uh, uh, stabilizing, I don't think the market has too much upside potential uh, in the second quarter.
3: Yeah, I think uh, the positive impact will be very short term for uh, Hong Kong uh, as well as US because even though the Federal Reserve uh, may uh, stop to rise interest rate, but don't forget that in the second half of this year, US may subject to mild resections. So there's not mm. good for, for the corporate earnings and market sentiment as well.
0: So do you think that's now going to be the focus rather than inflation um, declining and rates peaking? The focus is now going to be well, the the recession to, yes, in the US, yes, mm-hmm. and that's going to weigh on markets here as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, great to hear your thoughts. Thank you both very much. Have a great weekend. You had Kenny Wen, who's Thank head you. of investment strategy at KGI Asia, Francis Lun, who is the CEO of Geo Securities.
3: <laughs> Peter is money talk.
0: I'm joined now by Toby Lawson, who is director of Staton Advice down in Australia. Morning, Toby. Good morning, Peter. Now, the question that investors have been trying to answer in the markets over the past sort of couple of weeks or so is, firstly, um, has the US reached or almost reached a peak um, in in raising interest rates? And is the US going to slip into recession? We've had a lot of data this week, haven't we, on the inflation front, consumer price data, producer price data. We also had the release of the Fed Minutes. Do you think we're any closer to getting an answer to those questions?
1: I think we're getting closer. I don't think we have the answer, uh, Peter, and there's still a bit of data tonight. I think we've got some retail sales, industrial productions, quite key figures coming out. And I was trying to look at this in terms of summary um, and reading a few articles here, there and everywhere. If you look at what is positive and what is negative around a recession call, it's probably evenly balanced. You know, if you look at some of the leading indicators, um, you look at GDP, for instance, which would technically say there is no recession on the horizon, and um, You could argue to say no. And then against that, you've got things like, uh, you know, the ISM manufacturing, which is in contractionary terms. You've got jobless claims starting to go up. You've got, uh, you know, the small business optimism, for instance, is really weak in the U.S. So there are indicators to suggest that there is a recession on the path. But equally, there's probably as many indicators saying it's uh, the, the growth will continue, albeit anemic. I think the good news overnight was the PPI. Um, came in 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 a negative, uh, certainly much better than the market expected. So I think we're close to answer your question, but not quite there.
0: So so what is this inflation uh, picture telling us? Um, uh, consumer price inflation rose at the slowest pace um, in two years, certainly the headline inflation. But then if you look at core inflation, it's still pretty sticky, isn't it? It's 5.5% in February, only down uh, Sorry, 5.6% in March, uh, just slightly higher than 5.5% in February. It's not coming down a lot, is it? Which sort of suggests that maybe these price increases are, are broadening out through the economy.
1: Well, I think it's always been the issue with inflation is once it gets into the system, it's really hard to get rid of it. And, you know, you can look at energy. So that's why they extract things like energy in, in the in the mix because it's such a volatile series. So you don't want to necessarily create expectation on inflation through energy prices. So they tend to look at core, which is really where, you know, the, the issue becomes one of, of inflation becoming sticky. And that's what I think we're seeing now is, you know, particularly if you look through the housing sector, you know, uh, the housing costs are rising, you know, whether it's rents in 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 terms of, uh, of accommodation or the cost of uh, housing in general, not just on the mortgage side. These things are really difficult to necessarily unwind. And that creeps into expectation and the expectation becomes reality when it comes to inflation. So to the point that you made, yeah, the core inflation looks sticky. The base effect will bring inflation down, as will a lower energy complex pricing um, so on those factors, it'll look better. But when you dig in deep, there's still quite a lot of stickiness in the inflation.
0: Well, what was interesting was there was this monthly survey from the New York Fed, which showed that inflation expectations over the next year increased half a percentage point uh, to four and three quarter percent in March. It seems to suggest that, that people are getting into their minds this idea that inflation is going to be higher and they're starting to plan and prepare for that.
1: Yeah, and and here's the here's the reality. Once people start thinking it, it happens. It's the thing about inflation. Inflation isn't is a is as much an expectation as it is in reality. You can measure prices at any point in time, but really, inflation is a measure of people's expectation. And and as expectation rises, so do prices because people are expected to pay higher, so they pay higher. Producers go, well, I can charge higher. Um, so you get this sort of, uh, uh, I guess, this loop. Uh, It's almost a paradox to an extent that suggests that as people think of inflation going up, it actually goes up. Mm. Uh, And the reverse can be the case as well.
0: And, and the Fed did raise in its minutes of, of the last meeting for the first time, actually, um, its expectations that there's going to be a recession, although it said only a mild, um, recession this year. But I suppose it shows that the Fed itself is starting to get concerned, um, about the economic outlook. And of course, central banks never like to, um, overestimate recessions, do they? They tend to underplay them.
1: Yeah, I think if you look at leading indicators uh, measure, um, in the last six months, it was down 3.6% versus um, down 2.4% the previous six months. So that tells you that activity has definitely um, accelerated in terms of decline. And then you might look at manufacturing in in, in ISM, which is contractually 477 most recent figure. Um, Jobless claims are going up. Small business optimisms well below the average. Housing starts are probably fairly neutral, but... 18% 18% down versus a year earlier. So these are the data that the Fed are looking at um, and it would indicate that things are slowing. The the difficulty for them is that inflation's still at 5%, inflation's still above target. So what do they do? Do they, you know, put the squeeze on further with another 25 bps uh, in early May or do they pause? Um, and this is the conundrum that the market is and the market's still probably thinking the Fed will go because I think the futures market still says 60 to 70% chance.
0: Of 25 basis points in May. It, it does, doesn't it? And and how much has then has the banking crisis that we saw um, sort of last month? How much has that damaged the economy? And in particular, has it led to sort of tighter credit conditions for households and businesses? Are they finding it harder now uh, to go and borrow and and, and um, raise money? And, and is that sort of weighing on economic activity? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I reckon this is, an, this is one that requires a, a lot more depth of analysis because I think the credit markets are really quite interesting. Um, so, yes, I think the the banking crisis has, will have a downstream impact on availability of credit, which obviously then feeds through to economic activity. So it's possible if the Fed, uh, once they start looking at the data coming through post this sort of mini crisis in the financial sector, um, they might see the credit slide even more and availability of capital is even less. Um, at a time when the Fed are tightening, it may be that they've you know, uh, this banking crisis has done some of the work um, to tighten up the economy um, uh, as much as interest rates would. So, yeah, I think it's a really fascinating time uh, and it'll probably play out in the next couple of months as that sort of data feeds through to credit in the economy.
0: And then we're seeing investors reprice now their interest rate expectations. They seem to be doing it quite rapidly at the moment, don't they? As you mentioned, Fed Fund futures markets pricing in odds this morning of a 69% chance of a 25 basis point rate increase next month. But then uh, they're, they're pricing in expectations that the Fed is going to pause and then we're going to have three 25 basis point rate cuts by the end of the year. Now, we talked about this um, a, a couple of weeks ago, that that expectation, it does seem to be well certainly out of kilter with what the Fed um, is saying. But it hasn't changed over the last couple of weeks. Investors still expecting these rate cuts by the end of the year.
1: Yeah, so that would reflect probably on the um, likelihood of recession. So, you know, uh, there's still probably pricing that um, uh, we'll, get a, we'll get a negative quarter or two coming at the back end of the year. Um, I was interested overnight, you saw some of the bond market, the, the spreads are narrowing now between two-year, 10-year, which actually is sort of counterintuitive to an extent because uh, the wider the two-10 spread, the more likely, you know, you're banking, in a, you're banking in a recession, whereas it's starting to narrow a bit so some of the indicators are a little bit um i guess mixed right now. I think we're we're still in that 50-50 stage where the Fed are trying to land the the uh, the, the jumbo on the aircraft carrier. I think it's going to be really challenging for them to avoid recession but um, I don't think it's quite clear what's gonna happen.
0: Hey, the, the markets, how 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 do you um play the markets like this? Because they seem to oscillate day for day to day between risk on and risk off, don't they? Last night was definitely a risk on day. We saw stocks soar after that PPI data, other risk assets like Bitcoin that surged above thirty back above thirty thousand dollars. But then you get days um the previous day where it was definitely risk off. So what what do investors do?
1: Well, it was interesting. I thought that the volatility index um, is now at one year low, 52 week lows, 17%. So that was interesting. Um, I've been watching volatility sort of creep, you know, sort of drift lower and finally sort of hit a 52 week low, which suggests that the market is beginning a little bit more happy and more more comfortable. Um, Now, that obviously feeds through often to asset prices. So things like Bitcoin and crypto probably get a little bit more attention when volatility is low, equity markets. I think the area which um, some of the wholesale, the sophisticated investors might be looking at is the, is the fixed income markets, you know, credit markets where there is good credit on investment grade, um, in good uh, corporate uh, bonds, that uh, you know, in good defensive stocks. Um, debt is quite attractive relative to equity returns quite right now. And if you look at debt in terms of the capital stack being a better asset than, a, than an equity, um, it's starting to attract quite a lot. I mean, there's already a, a thesis that's gone through the market, but I suggest that people, people will be looking at that, uh, that fixed income market to see if they can buy more debt versus equity.
0: Has, has the perception of, um, of, of this data and the impact on stocks changed? It used to be um, sort of bad news was good news for the markets, wasn't it, in that um, if you had bad economic data, um, it reduced the chance of the, the Fed raising interest rates. But we've seen recently signs that bad news, bad economic news is also bad news for the markets as well, because people are focusing more now on that possibility of a of a recession so has the psychology changed do you think
1: uh i'm not sure that that is the case i suspect that um and if volatility is an indicator people are feeling more confident right as i mentioned mm. falls down at 17 percent. so if falls a good indicator of sentiment then you know uh, you would say that people are more calm and less concerned and actually more inclined to think that uh, there'll be a mild recession, if if at all. And that's an argument that still holds some weight, right? Um, so I, I don't know if the if the mindset shifted. I think the fear of dislocation caused by the financial crisis, you know, sort of the banking crisis in the previous month, um, that could have that accelerated some of the negative sentiment and then fed through to more asset prices. But I think they sort of, it solved itself or at least it stalled itself reasonably enough for people to think, okay, that was isolated. And they also think that ultimately, if the recession's mild, that stocks of asset asset prices have declined sufficiently now. Um, and if that if that stable sentiment comes through, they might be interested to buy them again. So, I think it's uh, I don't think the the market is particularly nervous. Maybe the market's a bit deluded or a bit in denial at the moment, being a little overly positive. But so if you look at volatility, that's telling you that the markets
0: a lot more stable right now. Toby, always good to get your thoughts. Thank you very much indeed and have a great weekend. That's Toby Lawson, who's Director of Staten Advice down in Australia. Thank you very much for listening today and also this week. You can get more information on breaking business news and market movements in my daily updates, which are posted on peterlewismoneytalk.substack.com. On Monday's programme, I'll be joined by Alex Wong, Director at Alex KY Wong Asset Management, and Louis Coice, Chief Asia Economist at SP Global Ratings. With a view from mainland China is Brock Silvers, CIO at Kion Capital. Have a great weekend and see you on Monday. Money Talk.